Chapters one and two of Cousin Maud. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Cousin Maud by Mary Jane Holmes. One, Doctor Kennedy. If you please, marm, the man from New York State is coming afoot. Too stingy to ride, I'll warrant and janet the housekeeper disappeared from the parlour just as the sound of the gate was heard and an unusually fine-looking middle-aged man was seen coming up the box-lined walk which led to the cottage door the person thus addressed was a lady whose face though young and handsome wore a look which told of early sorrow matilda remington had been a happy loving wife but the old churchyard in vernon contained a grass-grown grave where rested the noble heart which had won her girlish love and she was a widow now a fair-haired blue-eyed widow and the stranger who had so excited janet's wrath by walking from the depot a distance of three miles would claim her as his bride ere the morrow's sun was midway in the heavens how the engagement happened she could not exactly tell but happened it had and she was pledged to leave the vine-wreathed cottage which harry had built for her and go with one of whom she knew comparatively little six months before our story opens she had spent a few days with him at the house of a mutual friend in an adjoining state and since that time they had written to each other regularly the correspondence resulting at last in an engagement which he had now come to fulfil he had never visited her before in her own home consequently she was wholly unacquainted with his disposition or peculiarities he was intelligent and refined commanding in appearance and agreeable in manner whenever he chose to be and when he wrote to her of his home which he said would be a second paradise were she its mistress when he spoke of the little curly-headed girl who so much needed a mother's care and when more than all he hinted that his was no beggar's fortune she yielded for matilda remington did not dislike the luxuries which money alone can purchase her own fortune was small and as there was now no hand save her own to provide she often found it necessary to economize more than she wished to do but dr kennedy was rich and if she married him she would escape a multitude of annoyances so she made herself believe that she loved him and when she heard as she more than once did hear rumors of a sad white-faced woman to whom the grave was a welcome rest she said the story was false and shaking her pretty head refused to believe that there was aught in the doctor of evil to be sure he was not at all like harry she could never find one who was but he was so tall so dignified so grand so particular that it seemed almost like stooping for one in his position to think of her and she liked him all the better for his condescension thus she ever reasoned and when janet said that he was coming and she too heard his step upon the piazza the bright blushes broke over her youthful face and casting a hurried glance at the mirror she hastened out to meet him matty my dear he said and his thin lips touched her glowing cheek but in his cold grey eye there shone no love no feeling no heart he was too supremely selfish to esteem another higher than himself and though it flattered him to know that the young creature was so glad to meet him it awoke no answering chord and he merely thought that with her to minister to him he should possibly be happier than he had been with her predecessor you must be very tired she said as she led the way into the cosy parlour then seating him in the easy-chair near to the open window she continued how warm you are what made you walk this sultry afternoon it is a maxim of mine never to ride when i can walk said he 
for i don't believe in humouring those omnibus drivers by paying their exorbitant prices two shillings surely is not an exorbitant price trembled on mrs remington's lips but she was prevented from saying so by his asking if everything were in readiness for the morrow yes everything she replied the cottage is sold and ah indeed sold said he interrupting her if i mistake not you told me when i met you in rome that it was left by will to you may i as your to-morrow's husband ask how much you received for it and he unbent his dignity so far as to wind his arm around her waist but the arm was involuntarily withdrawn when with her usual frankness matty replied i received a thousand dollars but there were debts to be paid so that i had only five hundred left and this i made over to my daughter to be used for her education dr kennedy did not say that he was disappointed and as matty was not much of a physiognomist she did not read it in his face and she continued janet will remain here a while to arrange matters before joining me in my new home she wished me to leave my little girl to come with her but i can't do that i must have my child with me you've never seen her have you i'll call her at once and stepping to the door she bade janet bring maud into the parlour maud how dr kennedy started at the mention of a name which drove all thoughts of the five hundred dollars from his mind there was feeling passion everything now in his cold grey eye but quickly recovering his composure he said calmly maud matty maud is that your child's name why yes she answered laughingly didn't you know it before how should i he replied when in your letters you have always called her daughter but has she no other name she surely was not baptized maud ere mrs remington could speak the sound of little pattering feet was heard in the hall without and in a moment maud remington stood before her stepfather-elect looking as that rather fastidious gentleman thought more like a wild gypsy than the child of a civilized mother she was a fat chubby child not yet five years old black-eyed black-haired black-faced with short thick curls which damp with perspiration stood up all over her head giving her a singular appearance she had been playing in the brook her favourite companion and now with little spatters of mud ornamenting both face and pantalettes her sunbonnet hanging down her back and her hands full of pebble-stones she stood furtively eyeing the stranger whose mental exclamation was mercy what a fright maud exclaimed the distressed mrs remington where have you been go at once to janet and have your dress changed then come back to me nothing loath to join janet whose company was preferable to that of the stranger maud left the room while dr kennedy turning to mrs remington said she is not at all like you my dear no answered the lady she is like her father in everything the same eyes the same hair and she was going on to say more when the expression of dr kennedy's face stopped her and she began to wonder if she had displeased him dr kennedy could talk for hours of the late mrs kennedy accompanying his words with long-drawn sighs and enumerating her many virtues all of which he expected to be improved upon by her successor but he could not bear to hear the name of harry remington spoken by one who was to be his wife and he at once changed the subject of maud's looks to her name which he learned was really matilda she had been called maud matty said after one who was once a very dear friend both of herself and her husband then we will call her matilda said he as it is a maxim of mine never to spoil children by giving them pet names 
but you call your daughter nelly suggested the little widow and in her soft blue eye there shone a mischievous twinkle as if she fancied she had beaten him with his own argument but if she thought to convince that most unreasonable man she was mistaken what he did was no criterion for others unless he chose that it should be so and he answered that is sister kelsey's idea and as she is very fond of nelly i do not interfere but seriously matty darling and he drew her to his side with an uncommon show of fondness i cannot call your daughter maud i do not like the name and it is a maxim of mine that if a person dislikes a name tis an easy matter to dislike the one who bears it had mrs remington cared less for him than she did she might have wondered how many more disagreeable maxims he had in store but love is blind or nearly so and when as if to make amends for his remarks he caressed her with an unusual degree of tenderness the impulsive woman felt that she would call her daughter anything which suited him accordingly when at last maud returned to the parlour with her dress changed her curls arranged and her dimpled cheeks shining with the suds in which they had been washed she was prepared to say matilda or whatever else pleased his capricious fancy little girl he said extending his hand toward her little girl come here i wish to talk with you but the little girl hung back and when her mother insisted upon her going to the gentleman asking if she did not like him she answered decidedly no i don't like him and he shan't be my pa either maud daughter exclaimed mrs remington while dr kennedy turning slightly pale thought wretch but said matilda come here won't you i ain't matilda she answered i won't be matilda i'm maud and her large black eyes flashed defiantly upon him it was in vain that dr kennedy coaxed and mrs remington threatened maud had taken a dislike to the stranger and as he persisted in calling her matilda she persisted in refusing to answer until at last hearing janet pass through the hall she ran out to her sure of finding comfort and sympathy there i am afraid i have suffered maud to have her own way too much and for the future i must be more strict with her said mrs remington apologetically while the doctor replied i think myself a little wholesome discipline would not be amiss tis a maxim of mine spare the rod and spoil the child but of course i shall not interfere in the matter this last he said because he saw a shadow flit over the fair face of the widow who like most indulgent mothers did not wholly believe in solomon the sight of janet in the hall suggested a fresh subject to the doctor's mind and after coughing a little he said did i understand that your domestic was intending to join you at laurel hill yes returned mrs remington janet came to live with my mother when i was a little girl no larger than maud since my marriage she has lived with me and i would not part with her for anything but do you not think two kinds of servants are apt to make trouble particularly if one is black and the other white and in the speaker's face there was an expression which puzzled mrs remington who could scarce refrain from crying at the thoughts of parting with janet and who began to have a foretaste of the dreary homesickness which was to wear her life away i can't do without janet she said she knows all my ways and i trust her with everything the very reason why she should not go returned the doctor she and old hannah would quarrel at once you would take sides with janet i with hannah and that might produce a feeling which ought never to exist between man and wife no my dear listen to me in this matter and let janet remain in vernon 
old hannah has been in my family a long time she was formerly a slave and belonged to my uncle who lived in virginia and who at his death gave her to me of course i set her free for i pride myself on being a man of humanity and since that time she has lived with us superintending the household entirely since mrs kennedy's death she is very peculiar and would never suffer janet to dictate as i am sure from what you say she would do so my dear try and think all this for the best you need not tell her she is not to come for it is a maxim of mine to avoid all unnecessary scenes and you can easily write it in a letter poor mrs remington she knew intuitively that the matter was decided and was she not to be forgiven if at that moment she thought of the grass-grown grave whose occupant had in life been only too happy granting her slightest wish but harry was gone and the man with whom she now had to deal was an exacting tyrannical master to whose will her own must ever be subservient this however she did not then understand she knew he was not at all like harry but she fancied that the difference consisted in his being so much older graver and wiser than her husband had been and so with a sigh she yielded the point thinking that janet would be the greater sufferer of the two that evening several of her acquaintances called to see the bridegroom-elect whom in mrs remington's hearing they pronounced very fine-looking and quite agreeable in manner compliments which tended in a measure to soothe her irritated feelings and quiet the rapid beatings of her heart which for hours after she retired to rest would occasionally whisper to her that the path she was about to tread was far from being strewn with flowers he loves me i know she thought though his manner of showing it is so different from harry but i shall become accustomed to that after a while and be very very happy and comforted with this assurance she fell asleep encircling within her arms the little maud whose name had awakened bitter memories in the heart of him who in an adjoining chamber battled with thoughts of the dark past which now on the eve of his second marriage passed in sad review before his mind memories there were of a gentle pale-faced woman who when her blue eyes were dim with coming death had shudderingly turned away from him as if his presence brought her more pain than joy memories too there were of another a peerlessly beautiful creature who ere he had sought the white-faced woman for his wife had trampled on his affections and spurned as a useless gift his offered love he hated her now he thought and the little black-haired child sleeping so sweetly in its mother's arms was hateful in his sight because it bore that woman's name one two three sounded the clock and then he fell asleep dreaming that underneath the willows which grew in the churchyard far off on the laurel hill there were two graves instead of one that in the house across the common there was a sound of rioting and mirth unusual in that silent mansion for she was there the woman whom he had so madly loved and wherever she went crowds gathered about her as in the olden time maud glendower why are you here he attempted to say when a clear silvery voice aroused him from his sleep and starting up he listened half in anger half in disappointment to the song which little maud remington sang as she sat in the open door awaiting the return of her mother who had gone for the last time to see the sunshine fall on harry's grave two the journey mrs kennedy looked charming in her travelling dress of brown and the happy husband likened her to a quakeress as he kissed her blushing cheek and called her his little wife he had passed through the ceremony remarkably well standing very erect making the responses very loud 
and squeezing very becomingly the soft white hand on whose third finger he placed the wedding-ring a very small one by the way it was over now and many of the bridal guests were gone the minister too had gone and jogging leisurely along upon his sorrel horse had ascertained the size of his fee feeling a little disappointed that it was not larger five dollars seemed so small when he fully expected twenty from one of dr kennedy's reputed wealth janet had seen that everything was done for the comfort of the travellers and then out behind the smoke-house had scolded herself soundly for crying when she ought to appear brave and encourage her young mistress not the slightest hint had she received that she was not to follow them in a few weeks and when at parting little maud clung to her skirts beseeching her to go she comforted the child by telling her that she would bring her in the autumn when she came half a dozen dolls as many pounds of candy a dancing jack and a mewing kitten were promised and then the faithful creature turned to the weeping bride who clasped her hard old hand convulsively for she knew it was a long good-bye until the carriage disappeared from view did mrs kennedy look back through blinding tears to the spot where janet stood wiping her eyes with the corner of her stiffly starched white apron and holding up one foot to keep her from soiling her clean blue cotton stockings for in accordance with a superstition peculiar to her race she had thrown after the travellers a shoe by way of ensuring them good luck for once in his life dr kennedy tried to be very kind and attentive to his bride who naturally hopeful and inclined to look upon the brighter side dried her tears soon after entering the cars and began to fancy she was very happy in her new position as the wife of dr kennedy the seat in front of them was turned back and occupied by maud who busied herself a while in watching the fence and the trees which she said were running so fast toward janet and home then her dark eyes would scan curiously the faces of dr kennedy and her mother resting upon the latter with a puzzled expression as if she could not exactly understand it the doctor persisted in calling her matilda and as she resolutely persisted in refusing to answer to that name it seemed quite improbable that they would ever talk much together occasionally it is true he made her some advances by playfully offering her his hand but she would not touch it and after a time standing upon the seat and turning round she found more agreeable society in the company of two boys who sat directly behind her they were evidently twelve or thirteen years of age and in personal appearance somewhat alike save that the face of the brown-haired boy was more open ingenuous and pleasing than that of his companion whose hair and eyes were black as night a jolt of the cars caused maud to lay her chubby hand upon the shoulder of the elder boy who being very fond of children caught it within his own and in this way made her acquaintance to him she was very communicative and in a short time he learned that her name was maud remington that the pretty lady in brown was her mother and that the naughty man was not her father and never would be for janet said so this at once awakened an interest in the boys and for more than an hour they petted and played with the little girl who though very gracious to both still manifested so much preference for the brown-haired that the other laughingly asked her which she liked the best i like you and you was maud's childlike answer as she pointed a finger at each but persisted her questioner you like my cousin the best will you tell me why maud hesitated a moment then laying a hand on either side of the speaker's face and looking intently into his eyes she answered you don't look as if you meant for certain and he does had maud remington been twenty instead of five she could not better have defined the difference between these two young lads and in after years she had sad cause for remembering words which seemed almost prophetic 
at albany they parted company for though the boys lived in rochester they were to remain in the city through the night and dr kennedy had decided to go on by doing so he would reach home near the close of the next day besides saving a large hotel bill and this last was with him a very weighty reason but he did not say so to his wife neither did he tell her that he had left orders for his carriage to be in canandaigua on the arrival of the noon train but he said he was in haste to show her to his daughter that twas a maxim of his to save as much time as possible and that unless she were very anxious to sleep he would rather travel all night so the poor weary woman whose head was aching terribly smiled faintly upon him as she said go on of course and nibbled at the hard seed cakes and harder crackers which he brought her there not being time for supper in albany it was a long tedious ride and though a strong arm was thrown around her and her head was pillowed upon the bosom of her husband who really tried to make her as comfortable as possible mrs kennedy could scarcely refrain from tears as she thought how different was this bridal tour from what she had anticipated she had fully expected to pass by daylight through the empire state and she had thought with how much delight her eye would rest upon the grassy meadows the fertile plains the winding mohawk the drone-like boats on the canal the beautiful cayuga and the silvery water so famed in song but in contrast to all this she was shut up in a dingy car whose one dim lamp sent forth a sickly ray and sicklier smell while without all was gloomy dark and drear no wonder then that when toward morning maud who missed her soft nice bed began to cry for janet and for home the mother too burst forth in tears and choking sobs which could not be controlled hush matty don't and the disturbed doctor shook her very gently it will soon be daylight and tis a max here he stopped for he had no maxim suited to that occasion and in a most unenviable frame of mind he frowned at the crying maud and tried to soothe his weeping wife until at last as the face of the latter was covered and the former grew more noisy and unmanageable he administered a fatherly rebuke in the shape of a boxed ear which had no other effect than the eliciting from the child the outcry let me be old doctor you if indeed we accept the long scratch made upon his hand by the little sharp nail of his stepdaughter at that moment matty lifted up her head but as maud was no tale-bearer and the doctor hardly dared to tell her that he had thus early taken upon himself the government of her child she never knew exactly what it was which made maud's ear so red or her liege lord's face so dark it was nearly noon when they arrived at canandaigua where the first object which caught mrs kennedy's eye was an old-fashioned carryall which her husband honoured with the appellation of carriage said carriage being drawn by two farm-horses which looked as if oats and corn were to them luxuries unknown i must have a cup of tea said mrs kennedy as she saw the black man john arranging the baggage upon the rack of the carryall and heard her husband bid him hurry as there was no time to lose i must have a cup of tea my head is aching dreadfully and her white lips quivered while the tears rolled down her cheeks certainly certainly answered the doctor who was in unusually good spirits having just heard from an acquaintance whom he chanced to meet that a lawsuit which had long been pending was decided in his favour and that the house and lot of a widow would probably come into his possession certainly two cups if you like i should have proposed it myself only i knew old hannah would have dinner in readiness for us and tis a maxim of mine that fasting provokes an appetite hang this nigger if he ain't a maxin her so quick 
muttered the darkey showing his teeth from ear to ear and coaxing maud away from her mother he took her to a restaurant where he literally crammed her with gingerbread raisins and candy bidding her eat all she wanted at once for it would be a long time maybe ere she'd have another chance if you please sir he said when at last he had returned to his master if you please miss nelly say how you must potch her something and the old woman specks a present in honour of the occasion dr kennedy thought of the lawsuit and so far opened both heart and purse as to buy for nelly a paper of peanuts and for hannah a ten-cent calico apron after which he pronounced himself in readiness to go and in a few moments mrs kennedy was on her way to her new home the road led over rocky hills reminding her so much of vernon and its surrounding country that a feeling of rest stole over her and she fell into a quiet sleep from which she did not awaken until the carriage stopped suddenly and her husband whispered in her ear wake matty wake we are home at last End of chapters one and two